You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. We're broadcasting today from the Pastoral Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us for Real Presence Live. It's been a great show thus far. Well, of course. Because <laughs> it's been all about Chris. All about no, it's Chris. been about... I'm kidding. Yeah. So, great things going on, and we've got a great guest to talk today about uh, feast day that's happening today. We've today. got Jermaine Little Bear on the line. Good morning, Jermaine. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. So, we wanted to talk today about the feast day of St. Isaac Jogues. So, and companions. And companions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, before we get into that, Jermaine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm a, well, I'm a member of St. Isaac Jokes Parish here in Rapid City. I'm a longtime member of, of, uh, of Rapid City. I was born in Walls. So I was born in Pennington County, and I've lived in Rapid City for most of my life. I uh, lived in Colorado for some of it, but I attended a Catholic school, St. John the Evangelist School, and was taught by the Benedictines at our station here in St. Martin's Monastery, you oh, know, wow. for my grade school years, yes. And I made my first communion at the uh, the Mother Butler Center, which is a, is a part of St. Isaac Jones Parish, in 1956. Many of you weren't even born or even thought of at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm a longtime member of St. Isaac Jones. You know, uh, lived in Colorado for many years. My kids, however, went uh, part-time to the cathedral. It was called St. Uh, our Lady of Perpetual Help School when it first started, mm-hmm. not to Elizabeth Seed, but my kids did attend there for just a short time when they were little, and uh, then I, I moved to Colorado, and so I returned in 2003 and have have been doing adult education since 2005 at St. Isaac Jogues and just really enjoy being a part of the whole community of St. Isaac Jogues Parish and the Mother Father Center, which was established to help Native American people from the very beginning, many, many years ago, it was established in 1950. Yeah. Well, let's give a little background of who St. Isaac Jogue was. Well, St. Isaac Jogue, you know, uh, the thing about me, I just had to do research just like everybody else concerning St. Isaac Jogue. However, I heard of St. Isaac Jogue when we learned about saints when I was in school, in grade school, and so I was really, you know, uh, happy to be able to talk a little bit about him. He was born in... 1607, January 10th and 1607 in New Orleans, France. And he died on October 18th in 1646. And I was just looking that over and realizing he was only 39 years old when he was martyred, you know. And he was a, uh, he's a French-born Jesuit missionary who uh, sacrificed his life for the Christianization of the North American Indians. He worked for many years in... Um, Canada. He was first assigned to Canada when he was ordained a Jesuit in nineteen and sixteen forty six. He, I, what I read was that he really was hoping to go to North Africa, but he was assigned to Canada. And so, when he went up there, he was, you know, that he had heard much stories about how difficult it was and how hard it was to be a missionary up there in North America. But he really relished the idea of going up there. And uh, what made ahead. it difficult at that time? Was because of the the Native Americans there. They were very suspicious of the of the. Uh, they called them the Black Rose because, like even when Sanyagi Jogues uh, went up there initially, he got a fever, and they brought disease. They felt like oh. they were, uh, yeah, brought diseases to the Native Americans, and they weren't 
immune to those diseases because they'd never had them before. So it was, be, it was, so it was because of the health reasons, not necessarily because of um, the, 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 the Christian faith that they were trying to share? Well, they felt like they were like practicing witchcraft. You know, oh. different. Yeah, they felt that they were like uh, they were suspicious of them because they were they, they were didn't know of what the crucifix was, the cross was, or any of those things that the the priest that would used. look weird. Yeah, so they were very <clears throat> leery of those. And then when they came with disease, you know, they felt like they were the, just a plague almost to the Indians because they brought this disease, and and many of the Native American uh, people died, you know, uh, from those diseases and smallpox and uh, different diseases, you know, especially some of the smallpox, I guess. And you know, we hear that story of St. Kateri Tekwitha, you know, who also acquired, she was in the mall. Right. He, yeah. Who he did, who, with the okay, that's, that was actually going to be the question, Jermaine, that I was going to ask you is, what, what tribe did he work with? Yeah, he primarily worked with the Huron uh, because there were different tribes like the Mohawk and the, well, the, the Iroquois Nation really did not like the black robes at all. You know, they were very, very uh, uh, suspicious of them and they were very cruel to the people that, that came because they were, they just were not, they were scared, I think. You know, they didn't have any idea who, what these people were doing there. And uh, so I don't think they were necessarily open to the Christian way as much as they were afraid of them. You know, but the Hurons, there were certain people in Huron Nation really, um, really uh, embraced him, I guess, you know, and, and uh, he was able to work a little bit with them. But he was always living in fear of his life because of the Iroquois were very much against uh, the, 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 the missionaries that were in that area. Jermaine, do you happen to know of any chance, and you may not know, but what any or what the, the notable differences were between uh, those two tribes in particular, the Huron and the Iroquois? I mean, I don't know if you know that that aspect of, of Native American history or not, but if you do, could you shed any light on that? I don't really know. You know, the one thing that I always think about, you know, we're Native American, but like when we live in different parts of the country, we don't really know. And I'm, of course, I'm a, a Golala Lakota, but I'm yeah, a, a yeah. Sioux. And, so I'm from here, the Plains, you know. Yep. And I've, I've never, uh, I traveled once to New York, but I really don't know the okay. history of, of the other tribes. Okay. Know, Native okay. American. Gotcha. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so he, um, he had been cat. Well, so he was, he's going ultimately martyred. Uh, what sort of like the, the the pathway? He gets captured right uh, at some point by the Iroquois. Is that is that what sort of leads to his eventual martyrdom? Yes. Yeah. He was ca- well. He was captured by them by the Iroquois, and then he was really really tortured. And they uh, different ones. The I, they removed his fingernails, and they, well, uh, an Algonquin woman cut off his thumb, you know, so he was very much tortured by the Native American people because they were uh, so suspicious of him and because of the disease that he brought, you know, so, uh, and not only him, but his his uh, comrades, too, which were also French uh, priests and Jesuits that he had brought with him. It says, uh, uh, see, I was reading about it, um, it says, uh, carried away a large, okay, a pestilence broke out in 1637, carried away a large number of Hurons. The black robes were blamed for him. They were threatened uh-huh. with death and persuaded uh, where that they had where they had come. Go ahead, go, go ahead, yeah. continue. Yeah. So anyway, he was tortured very much, and he lived very much in fear of his life. 
you know, but he was always so committed, and I think that's the thing that I noticed the most about it. He was very committed in spite of all the torture that he, uh, that he was subjected to. He was, he felt like in, that in order to get to heaven, he, he really recognized Jesus' suffering on the cross and the sacrifices that Jesus had to make. And so he kind of relished being a martyr in the sense of being the torture that, uh, it was not, uh, something that was necessarily, uh, it was necessary for his suffering for him to be able to go, go to heaven. You know, he was willing to, to start to suffer whatever torture and, uh, hardships that he had because Jesus had to suffer those same things. You know, so he was very committed to his faith. And he was only 39 years old. It just amazes me. He was ordained when he was 17 years old, you know, and he was so committed. And eventually, because he was living in such dangerous conditions, and he was held captive, and while he was captive, he was that's where he was tortured, and there were many of them that were were captured. And he had, uh, he was, he, I guess he had hidden, he was hiding in uh, bushes and stuff, but he decided to join the captives. The captives, they had captured some of the Hurons and some of the people that he was working with, and so he decided to join them, and that's where he suffered all the torture. But eventually, wow. yeah, he had to live off the land, and he was very, very, uh, I think they said emaciated, you know, he just really, really yeah. suffered very, and so then he eventually went back to France. You know, he escaped, right? Didn't he yeah. escape he from escaped, them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he escaped from them. They had cold, yeah. So he escaped from them. And he went and returned back to friends with the help of, I think it was some uh, Dutch settler or whatever help. Well, and he I think came friends. With. I think that's really amazing because I think we think about, oh, he escaped and he went back to France, la di da di da. But it's like that's like a journey and a half. Can you right. imagine going across yeah. Canada right. and making it all the way back to France? France. Right, right. I right. mean, after it, you've been tortured and starved to death. I mean, really. And your fingers were cut off. And right. Your fingernails were cut off, and, and and he was forbidden to do mass when he first went back to France because I oh, guess you have to have hands. your thumb. Yes. Uh, the woman cut off his thumb. Mm. Yep. In order to, you're not supposed to touch those. You're supposed to have a thumb and an index finger, and he didn't yep. have them. Yep. So he, yeah, he had to get a special dispensation from the Pope to be able to say mass. Right. But they yep. felt he was a living martyr, you know, so well, they approved of him to say mass, which he really yeah. was appreciative of, you know. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Jermaine Little Bear, and today is the feast day of St. Isaac Jogues, and we're just talking about uh, the beginning of his life, I guess, uh, probably the first half. Well, I think we're getting close to the end. <laughs> I don't know, because yeah, we're he getting has... close to the end, yeah. <laughs> but he gets tortured and sent, and then he makes it back he home. He escapes, gets back, he, goes and back he home. goes back home, but there's more to the story, folks. So uh, we're actually going to take a break here, Jermaine, and if you'll stick okay. with us, we're going to talk about the second part of St. Isaac Jogues <laughs> uh, when we come back, and then kind of the impact that he's had on the area, um, if we could talk about that too. So um, you're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we're talking with Jermaine Little Bear, and we're going to be right back with more St. Isaac Jogues when we come back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. 
prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we're your hosts today for Real Presence Live. Thanks for joining us. We're talking with Jermaine Little Bear, and we're talking about uh, the feast day that's today, learning a little bit more about who St. Isaac Jogues was and companions. Um, and we have talked about how he was probably ordained at 17, came to America, came to Canada, and was um, ministering to the natives, was captured, tortured, and made it back to France. So, Germain, where did he go from there? Well, once he went to back went to France, he just for some reason was kept being drawn back to the the work that he felt he was doing and accomplishing in North America to bring, you know, he uh, uh, regarded his torture and death he thought would follow to imitate the passion of Jesus, and he just had this longing to go back. So he went back to mm-hmm. Canada and uh, or to it was really around New York, and he was uh, accused of witchcraft, you know, and. Uh, Murder and and he was murdered by the um, Mohawk, mm. and uh, in sixteen forty six. You know, I think about that. I think that was like three hundred years before I was born. I'm old too. You know, I was born forty nine. So yeah, <laughs> I think wow. You know, this is incredible. But yeah, because of the, you know, because of the fact that uh, yeah, I guess it was smallpox and measles that were brought that they felt by the Europeans, and you know, because there was a lack of understanding, and they felt like they. They had brought those sicknesses to the, they felt that they were like witchcraft. And anyway, he was murdered, you know, yeah. and, and along with uh, several of his companions. And many of those companions were also uh, canonized as saints, you know, because right. of the suffering, the hardships they had experienced. So what kind of a lasting um, impression or influence has he had on the natives in our area? 
Well, I'm not sure many of them know for sure the, the history of St. Isaac Joe's, although they knew that he worked a lot with the, with the Native American people. And I think that same legacy was kind of brought over why our parish is St. Isaac Joe's. And we're also, of course, uh, uh, we have Jesuits also that uh, minister to us at St. Isaac Joe's. And I know you were concerned and interested about the Mother Butler Center, which is what's where I made my first communion court back in 1956, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so I, you know, I think that the, the name of St. Isaac Jokes and the Jesuits that are work here in, in South Dakota in many places with the Native American people is kind of, a, uh, St. Isaac Jokes would be kind of an example, I think, of the, you know, the commitment and the dedication that he had towards helping the Native American people, you know, yeah. and I, that seems to be carried over. Well, and I was interested because I grew up in Rapid City, so I grew up with St. Isaac Jogues and the Mother Butler Center, and it's just yes. the things we've heard, you know, and I never have heard the story behind the Mother Butler Center, why it's named the Mother Butler Center. Can you enlighten me a little bit? Well, it says, uh, I had to read about it, too, you know, about the history of, of uh, Mother Butler Center, but, you know, uh, Bishop McCarty, who was a bishop uh, here in uh, 1949, that was the year I was born. But when I was growing up, I knew Bishop McCarty was still here. And um, it says, uh, says, before he was signed to Rapid City, Bishop McCarty had been an auxiliary bishop to Cardinal Spellman in New York City. Well, in that position, the Bishop McCarty became friends with the staff and students at Marymount College in Tarrytown, New York. These friends from New York contacted the bishop with the request the Alumni Association wanted to make a donation in honor of Mother Joseph Butler. She was a religious sister who came to this country from Ireland to found Marymount College. Their donation was timely. The decision was made to instruct a center for the Native American population and name it in honor of Mother Butler. Hmm. So that's Never how knew Mother that. Butler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I heard, you know, I'm. Now, when I was growing up, too, I heard about Mother Butler, you know, when I was growing up. And we and I spent many, many, I had gone to Catholic school, St. John's Evangelist, here in Rapid City. But when I was uh, in eighth grade, I think it was then, uh, I no longer, we had to go to, when parents moved to a different part of town, and we didn't oh, no longer attend Catholic school because of the, there were six of us in our family, and mm-hmm. the tuition was too, a little bit expensive. So we went to public school. So that at that point in time, I started going to religious education. At Mother Butler Center, Oof. and as a child, and in those days, you know, uh, there was Father Collins, who was. I, I first made my commun- first communion with uh, Father Zimmerman, and he was really, really considered a, a very great, important person that was ministered to the Native American people. When in because uh, it was the Mother Butler Center, you know, uh, Heather, if you were born in Rapid City, uh, that it was right down by Rapid Creek. You know, oh, it was. And what, yeah, it was down. Maybe you didn't know that. It was 72 uh-uh. when the flood came. It got, it got uh, destroyed. Oh. You know? So it was down there, right down where there's a golf course now there. You know, that big yep. bridge going up to... Okay, it was right there where that golf course was. There was That was where the Mother Butler's tenure was. And uh, what happened is uh, uh, Saint, uh, Bishop McCarty... Um, uh, it says, several near Arrow Ellsworth Air Force built New Brick Chapel. Bishop McCarty used his old military connections to obtain one of the old wooden chapels. And he did get this building. It was moved to a lot adjoining the, uh, the center, the Mother Butler Center, and it was a new stuff. <laughs> we were so happy we had a St. Isaac Jones Church 
because yeah. we always went to church at the Mother Butler Center because we didn't have a church, the, the well, Allegra First Communion at the Mother Butler Center. And I think I think it's important, too, because if you've never been to St. Isaac Jogues, I think um, just the look of the church is different than we're used to. Can you describe mm. what it looks like for the listeners who haven't been there? Yes, well, that St. Isaac Jokes Church that we had that we were so happy that was built right next to the Mother Butler Center uh, was destroyed in the 1972 flood that uh, plagued Rapid City. And so at that point in time, we were moved, we got, they worked together with this uh, Lutheran uh, church. And uh, that's how we got to have the present day church that we have. They had, a, it has a residence and, um, and it had a church. So we, get, we acquired that church, and that's still the church that we have today. And it's up on the hill, you know, yeah. because the priest that was there, that there was two priests down there at the Mother Butler Center in St. Isaac Jokes Parish in 1972. And Father Collins, who was really a great man, he, when I was growing up going to religious education, he would spend so much time with us, and he'd take us to the different missions, and he'd bring lunch and everything, and all of us, we had, he'd help us have us make donuts on Saturday night. We'd go to the Mother Butler Center, and we'd make donuts for coffee and donuts after Mass on Sunday. So he was a really, really neat priest. Well, he died in the 72 flood, and yeah. uh, there was another priest, Father Edwards, who was also in it. But when they moved up to St. Isaac Job's up there, it was like, yeah, it's a very small church. You know, mm-hmm. it's not very big. It's not very majestic as far as, you know, there's not a lot of stained glass windows or anything like that. It's a simple church, but it's very humble. It's a humble church. Yeah. And it was, of course, designed for Native Americans primarily, but it's up there on the hill. And so we're kind of not too in, much in danger of losing it to a flood. <laughs> if, if that gets destroyed by a flood, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble, yeah. But the Mother Butler Center was primarily designed as an Indian center, kind of, in a sense where Native Americans could gather. And in this year, job, we still have, you know, one of the main fundraising things that we have is the bazaar. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when I grew up, we had all kinds of activities at the Mother Butler Center. They had Halloween parties, and they had. Uh, Christmas parties and Santa Claus always came and gave us gifts and they had bingo down there and they had basketball tournaments. The Mother Butler Center was kind of a real center for the yeah. Native American people and the, they had the Indian Men's Club who, you know, uh, sponsored all these different basketball games. There was sporting events like rest, uh, boxing and, 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 uh, you know, and the basketball, especially the basketball. They had a lot of basketball down there at the Mother yeah. Butler Center. So well, I think what I love what I love the most about St. Isaac Joe's is that it is so simple and that it's mm-hmm. very um, centered around nature. So like mm. it, there's a lot of wood involved. Uh, the crucifix is made out of wood. Um, yeah. You might, you might find some skins, you know, uh, animal skins laying around. Uh, you always yeah. There's a buffalo robe around the altar. Yeah. And it's just very in tune with nature. And then you also have a lot of the Native American uh, blankets that might be hanging. Um, I don't know if that's the appropriate word to use for those. Well, they're, they're the, you know, they're, I don't know what they call them. But yeah, they, they hang on each side of the altar. The, the, mm-hmm. They're made by a Native American, one of our great parishioners, uh, Geraldine Sherman, who is very, very uh, talented in making the uh, Lakota uh, uh fashions yeah. and also all the blankets and, and things that they hang up the 
Well, I can't think of what they call it. Yeah, but on each side is the altar, and they have the crucifix, and on each side they have uh, a different color, depending on what colors we part yeah. of the mass of the calendar year we are. We'll change yeah. the different colors of those uh, hanging, well, those wall hangings. People might be familiar with the star, yeah, uh, the Native American star, and within that, every color, every block has a meaning and a purpose to that star and so it's just really it's quite a beautiful experience to go to mass there and just experience how the two cultures have intertwined the catholic culture within the native american culture yes we have native enculturated masses as as a matter of fact just a couple weeks ago we had one and the bishop said the mass and in honor of saint kateri tekawitha and uh, so then we have the, the the four direction song starting out the mass of the four direction song we have the smudging with the sage you know, and uh, mm-hmm. by Native American uh, yep. men or, yeah. Beautiful. And the songs, we have songs, all the songs are, uh, a lot of the songs are uh, sung in Lakota, mm-hmm. you know, along with the English, yeah. So we're yeah, Lakota beautiful. Christians. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful, it's a beautiful experience. So if yeah. you're ever in Rapid City, stop by and attend Mass there Amen. someday. So, Jermaine, Very thank welcoming, you. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a family. <laughs> yeah, we're like a family, so we welcome anybody, any visitors or people that are in the area. We're always welcome. We're always welcome at our church. Absolutely, Jermaine. Any last thoughts before we let you go? No, I'm just grateful that you're given that we're given the opportunity to talk about and celebrate this to Feast Day of St. Isaac Jones, who was such an example to his commitment to the Native American people, and also talk about Mother Butler, who we also are committed in St. Isaac Jones to the Native American community in Rapid City and the surrounding areas. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jermaine, Thanks, for Jermaine. joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that's our one done. So if you've missed any our of our one done, one done. <clears throat> if you've missed any of our conversations, you can always check it out on any platform that you get your podcasts on or go to realpresenceradio.com and you can listen to the first hour. So we were just talking with Jermaine Littlebear about St. Isaac Jogues. Today is his feast day. So maybe do something a little special that's to right. celebrate. Yep. I always find a good reason to celebrate it. You always do. (laughs) I know. All right, folks. Hour two coming up, and we're starting off with Bishop Donald DeGrood, so don't go anywhere. More Real Presence Live right after this. Mm 